Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a It's the call up and we have the first day of August. And usually I'm used to this being already deadline time, right? Like the deadline's already passed. It's the 31st, but no, we've got a crazy 48 hours ahead because it's been pretty quiet, Jack. We've not had that many trades, but we've had enough to break down some intriguing moves. Uh, We have the Noel V. Marte headlined package for Luis Castillo, which I'm really excited to fully break down. We already have an article on that at JustBaseball.com, but we're going to dive into every piece there and and the whole trade. James Outman made his big league debut, and I mean – I bet every player wishes they could make their big league debut at Coors, but that doesn't take away from what he did. He looks spectacular. We're going to talk about what he can do. And then we're going to speculate a little bit on what top end prospects could get moved. I've seen a lot of questions about that, you know, yeah. whether it was our mailbag or whatever it may be, you know, what prospects could get moved. And I think the Noel V. Marte trade was a little bit of a clue into I love calling it the Noel V. Marte trade on the prospect yeah. podcast. But the Luis Casillo trade is a little bit of a clue into hey, some elite guys will probably get moved at this deadline. Yeah, 100%. I think that the the Edwin Arroyo trade, the Levi Stout trade, and the uh, <laughs> TJ Sakema trade are, are good indications that you know there could be guys that make a legitimate impact down the road that are getting moved. But yeah, aside from the Luis Castillo deal and the Andrew Benintendi deal, uh, this deadline has been a little mid, no cap. So oh, uh, we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens there. Enough of that. Enough of that. <laughs> um, but let's talk about that uh, Luis Castillo trade because that that package, I think we all were on the same boat. It was a haul. Yeah. Um, and, and here's the thing is we say it's a haul. And so then the instant reply I get is, oh, so the Mariners lost the trade? No. No. And again, I've, I've said this a few times, but I just don't think I can put it into better words than this is that the last time the Mariners made the World Series or made the playoffs, excuse me. Noel V. Marte was not even alive. You know, he was not even on this earth. So from that lens, it's like, okay, there's a level of desperation. But that move wasn't desperate to me. I think it was just about the going rate for somebody like Luis Castillo. I think given that he doesn't have another year of control, you know, given that you have one year after this season, made it a little bit hard to gauge exactly what the return would be. I expected, you know, a a top end prospect to go. I think the more surprising aspect of it was that an Edwin Arroyo was put into the deal on top of that because Edwin Arroyo is really darn good. We'll get to him in a second, but we'll start with Marte. Number one or number 21 prospect on just baseball.com's top 100 ahead of the season. The update, he'd probably be right in the same range. Yeah. Give or take a couple spots. It's really not about him because he's done nothing to move his stock. It's more just if anybody passes him. And ironically, 
one of the guys that could pass him is Ellie De La Cruz. Yes. Who now is in his own system, you know, and, and that's a wonderful thing that the Cincinnati Reds have going on right now is a lot of offensive talent now starting to either, you know, mature in their system or they're acquiring other guys. They obviously get two shortstops here who are very, very good. Marte can do a little bit of everything, right? I mean, he's a dude that has plus raw power and above average field to hit. And I think the field to hit is more advanced than a lot of people really thought it would be. He also has overcome a really bad first couple months. So, you know, if you look at the numbers over the last two months, they're probably even better than the 825 OPS that we see right now. Uh, but the fact that he's not chasing a lot, uh, that we're seeing the contact rates continue to get better, I think around 86% on the zone contact. Exit velos are above average. This is a guy that, that could legitimately hit 30 home runs and, you know, get on base at a well above average clip and just be a really well-rounded bat. Yeah, 100%. I mean, 85 games is a 20-year-old in high A. you got to remember, and all these top prospects, we've been talking about them since they were at the Complex or maybe even in the Dominican Summer League. But with Marte, he's 20 years old in high A. He's two and a half years younger than the league average hitter there. Uh, and Noel B. Marte in 85 games has 19 doubles, 15 bombs, 13 stolen bases, and 830 OPS. So I'm not too concerned about that slow start because he is heated up. Um Will he join Ellie De La Cruz in double A? Probably not immediately. I would assume that the initial assignment is Dayton in high A, which would make a lot of sense close to Cincinnati. And then you get to double. I think restructuring the Reds top prospects. Ellie De La Cruz is the number one prospect in the organization. But Noel V. Marte is not very far behind whatsoever. And I want to go back to the initial point you made about trying to declare a winner of the trade because that's what everybody wants to do. <laughs> that's what everyone Oh, wants. Uh, the Reds got fleeced or the Mariners got fleeced. Like, oh my God, the, the Mariners overpaid for Luis Castillo. No, like this was a mutually beneficial deal. I think if Arroyo was not involved in this, we'd still be looking at this trade like, oh wow, the Reds got no LV Marte. But there was a little bit more to be had there. Yep. The fact that they have Marte and Arroyo and they got that high 90s arm and stout and they got another projectable reliever and more. I think you're looking at this saying it was a steep price. Seattle met it. They want to go for it. They successfully got the best pitcher on the market and the Reds got the return on the guy who was the best pitcher on the market. So I, I thought it was mutually beneficial. I do not think that we have to declare a winner right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously we'll revisit it in five, six years when Noel V. Marte is a couple of years into his big league career and Luis Castillo has signed a new deal. Um, you also got to factor in again with that additional year of control. Luis Castillo is a prime extension candidate for yep. Seattle. Yep. So you're looking at this almost as like, what on sign and trade you trade and then you immediately begin negotiations to create an extension. It's like the Matt Olson thing in the off season. Um, so I, I thought this was a great deal for both sides and Marte is the headliner. That was the lone headliner left for the Mariners. Um, yeah. We'll yeah. see what else they can do. But I mean, we talk about all the young talent last year in the, in the preseason, like right before spring training started, we were looking at Seattle as the best farm system in baseball. Now all those guys are either graduated or with Martin Arroyo traded. So now the Mariners, the, the future is here. Let's yeah, capitalize. I'm, I'm really interested because, you know, they, they do have big league pieces now and, you know, they, maybe they could trade a Kyle Lewis or even a Jared Kelnick if they wanted to in the right situation. I'd rather not. Uh, I like a lot of the adjustments that Kelnick's made. I talked about that on the mailbag episode, but you know, they, they've got Harry Ford. They've got Emerson Hancock. They've got good prospects, but I agree. They don't really have that, 
that clear cut headliner, I imagined more of the quantity over quality package. Yeah, I did too. I did not think it would be led by Noel V. Marte because you could go maybe Emerson Hancock, you know, and then a Harry Ford and then maybe an Edwin Arroyo. That that was that would be a great return. Um, so the fact that they were able to get the top end guy and then also get that second piece that will probably be a top 100 guy on our update. I want to yeah. talk about him real quick. We can briefly touch on on the two arms and then we'll we'll move on to another topic. But uh, I really really like this kid Edwin Arroyo, man. And the more I'm, I, the more I look into him, the more I like the profile. This is a second round pick out of Puerto Rico last year. 17 years old when the draft went down and Arroyo was kind of viewed as more of a glove first guy with pretty good bat to ball skills. But I think he's really impressed with one, how advanced he is as a hitter, even though and they, they assumed he'd be advanced for his age. That doesn't mean that you'd put up big numbers in low a really in your first full pro season, get a taste of, of pro baseball at the complex last year and struggled to be honest. So this is a very, very different looking hitter switch hitter with more power too than I think we thought really natural field of lift and 13 home runs in 87 games in low a is, is extremely impressive for an 18 year old who's built at about 511 170 pounds you know at best 316 385 514 slash line 22 percent k rate 8.5 percent walk rate I really like this kid too because he's got a plus glove. It's short, a plus arm. His actions are smooth. I did the whole like again. One of my favorite things to do is watch good defensive shortstops. I queue up all the plays and I just sit there yeah. and I can queue it like ground ball out and just watch what they do. And even the routine plays are fun to watch when guys have the hands that Arroyo has. Marte is probably going to move to third. That's something that we we kind of omitted to mention. I think he's going to move to third. This guy's going to stick it short, Arroyo. He's staying there, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future and could be, you know, an above average defender at short for a very long time. Yeah. And the question becomes Arroyo or Ellie, but that's a great conversation to have. And you could move one of them, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you also got to think about moving Matt McLean, too. And and we'll get to you know where these guys stack up in the depth of the Cincinnati system, which has become one of the best in baseball since, I don't know, February or March. Um, but Arroyo, you mentioned 13 bombs in the low 20% K rate. Also going to look at 21 bags and 25 attempts mm-hmm. in low A. And I know that low A, it's it's easier to steal bases than at the higher levels of minor league baseball. And I also know that Modesto is a very hitter-friendly environment out in Northern California. But it's hard to argue with what you said, 13, gay, or, uh, 13 bombs, 19 doubles, how about seven triples in 87 games? So, He's racking up the extra base hits. He's got a 900 OPS and he's 21 for 25 in the stolen base department. He's hitting 313. He did not hit well the complex no. when he was first when he first got um to the Mariners complex out of being drafted last year. But he was 17 years old. So I mean, we're looking at an 18-year-old who's already off the complex that's hitting 315, is fast and has pop. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the defensive ability, it's short, really raises the floor here. You know, I, I'm interested to see what the offensive upside looks like. Uh, but again, it, it's a lot more than we thought it would be. The power is more impressive from the right side. He's got a little bit more juice there. Exit velos are a tick higher. And then the contact rates are higher from the left side. You know, w- w- what else do you want there? I, that's what I love is the production is roughly similar across the board from both sides. But he gives a little bit more from one side. And, and I like that because... Most lefties are going to be, you know, softer throwers. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're not as nasty. Uh, y- y- you'll take a little bit more power and a little bit less contact that way. 
the left side where he's going to hit more frequently from contact rates are higher. I, I really like his profile. I really like this player. And again, he's going to be a back end top 100 guy, probably uh, in our midseason update. That's soon to come out. Getting to the pitcher side of things. Levi Stout, look, he, he's not, you know, uh, a guy that probably could have even been the second piece in a deal. But the fact that he is the third piece in a deal that also had the two other guys that we just mentioned it is, is a great start. And we know that the Reds prioritized our, uh, the, the bats here, right? Like they yeah. wanted the two main pieces to be bats because they've had so many arms come in uh, over the last, you know, a couple months. And they're running the- out of space for them. Yeah. Yeah. They're literally running out of space and they needed more bats. So, you know, I, I like Stout as a guy that they're, they feel like they're buying low on um, in, in terms yeah. of he is not performed to, you know, the, the standard standard that he set last year. Uh, but I also think he was a little bit of an overperformer last year. I think he's between what we saw last season and what we're seeing this year. Last year, you know, he, he was a guy that I think if you averaged out all the numbers, I don't know if you have it on baseball reference. I'm on fan graphs right now. So you have the, the 64 innings in high A, he had a 3.52 ERA. He gets a bump up to double, 17 and two thirds innings. That was three starts. He had a 2.55 ERA. Yeah, I've the got fifth, his numbers here. Yeah. yeah, the FIP, you know, kind of points towards some some luck there. The walk rate was kind of high. You go to this year, 18 starts, in, all in double A, a 5280 ERA. But the walk rate has nearly halved. So I see a guy that maybe is, is just around the strike zone a little bit more. And as a yeah. result, he's getting hit. And that's a nuance that he'll have to get comfortable with. But he doesn't have a plus pitch. So he's going to have to kind of nibble. The slider is above average. The fastball is, you know, average to maybe above average. It's high velo, but doesn't quite have the shape you want. And then he'll mix in an okay changeup. The slider, he's now throwing more than any other pitch. And I think to me that shows, hey, I don't really have confidence that my fastball can get whiffs in the zone. He's throwing the slider almost 50% of the time. There's there's some reliever risk slash swing man risk here. But, I mean, he's still a good arm to be getting back in this deal. Yeah, 100%. Listen, if you get Marte and Arroyo and you get a swingman as the third piece, I'm totally in on that. And the strikeout rate is down this year as opposed to last year, probably because he's around the strike zone more. So guys are not, you know, leaning on the effectively wild moniker for Levi Stout, uh, and they're probably barreling up more balls. And the hits per nine is is far higher this year than it was last year. Um, He's got a hard fastball. But he has never really thrived in the overpowering strikeout number department. And he's never really had that sterling ERA. His best ERA at any stop was as a freshman at Lehigh. Like that's it. So it was 2017 when he was a 19 year old at Lehigh um, in the Patriot League. So he's not going to be this dominating, dominating starter. But that's not what you're asking for in a third piece of a deal. You're asking for a guy that can chew two innings out of the bullpen, roll you some ground balls, and there we go. Like hard fastball, if one of the secondary pitches tick up, you're going to be a solid multi-inning reliever. I think that's what they just got with Levi Stout. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say on him, I think those are all great points, is that I actually kind of want to see him out of the pen. And, and I'm yeah. curious what what they'll do there, because I know he has good command, and you know it's improved, and he could probably – be that guy that you, you use in spots. You know, if you really need an emergency spot starter, he can be that guy. But I'd rather see him in short spurts out of the pen because he sits 94 with the fastball. If that ticks up to 96, he sits 83 with the slider, which again is an above average pitch. If that ticks up, you know, to 85, he could be a better swing and miss guy in one or two inning spurts. If you need a spot start, you know, he has the capability of being stretched out again, though, a, a, a talented enough arm to be a big leaguer 
uh, 24 years old. It's it's the third piece in the deal. And then I like the flyer they took here with the fourth piece too. because it, it, you could go with the lottery ticket if you wanted. You could probably they probably could have got a Dominican Summer League lottery ticket. Or they could go for Andrew Moore. And Andrew Moore is a 22-year-old who was drafted in the 14th round in 2021. Um, and, and he was horrible last year. Uh, it was just not good for him last year. 18 innings. He's exclusively a reliever. 18 innings last year. Walked more guys than he struck out. And the stuff just wasn't quite there. I wrote about this on, on, the, on the breakdown on JustBaseball.com, but... This dude's fastball ticked up two full miles per hour. So since, or sorry, Seattle helped unlock something for him. I think there, he also added a curveball, which before it kind of blended with the slider. Now it's more of this hammer curve and it's good. Uh, he's getting a ton of whiffs on that. And so now you're looking more instead of 94, he's up to 96.5 on average with the fastball Curveball is now a, a wipeout pitch. And you've got to do that striking out nearly 50% of batters at the same level that he sucked at last year. This is awesome. Uh, I love the the progress that we've seen from, from Andrew Moore. And at 22 years old, you know, I think he's probably going to get an assignment to high A pretty quickly and could climb quickly as a reliever. And this could be a big league bullpen arm that they added as a fourth piece in this deal. I'm with you, man. I mean, 32 and a third innings, seven earned runs, 58 strikeouts and 32 and a third. That's 16 punch outs per nine. And the walk numbers, like they're they're not good, but they're not egregious. Last year, you mentioned walk more guys than he struck out, and he's a strikeout pitcher, but he's walking under five guys per nine. That's and fine. honestly, as like as a bullpen arm, that's fine. The number sucks to see, but the number's fine. Sixteen punch outs per nine, you take. 4.7 walks per nine. Um, the big thing with Andrew Moore, he's faced 133 hitters so far. How many homers do you think he's allowed? I, I'm going to guess it's zero because of the question. It's zero. Yeah. He hasn't yet to allow a home run this year in 32 and a third innings, which is really impressive. Again, in <laughs> Modesto, that's a hard environment to throw it. But the fact is he comes on, he gets so many swings and misses and nobody's hitting the ball to the stratosphere on his mistakes. I mean, that's what it's all about. And again, that's the fourth piece in the deal. So, you know, they went with the higher floor guy instead of the lottery ticket. And I think that's the right move for the Reds who, you know, are, are looking to to try to be good in the next two years. This isn't a full teardown. This is not. And we've said that this is not a full throttle rebuild because they have a lot of prospects that are ready to go. So uh, we're going to talk more about the red system in future episodes, especially because they're going to make more trades. Brandon Drury is going to go. Tyler Malley may go. You see Drury might be an extension candidate. Now Ken Rosenthal said that they might extend Drury. You know what? I'll have to unpack that more uh, later on. You know, I, if the return is not a, a you know borderline you're probably not getting a top 100 guy for Brandon Drury as a rental but if you're not getting a solid return it maybe maybe it's worth keeping him if you know he can put up numbers and they need big league guys so it, regardless I think they should trade Tyler Malley because you need to trade a guy that can't pitch at your home ballpark yes. so I, I would say regardless they're going to get more prospects Tommy Pham will go We'll see how everybody stacks up after, and we'll probably give the Reds almost a full episode uh, coming up soon. I want to talk about the Yankees trade for Andrew Benatendi, because even though that one's a little bit more stale, um, we haven't talked about it yet. And 
I really like what the Royals did here overall. I, I, and I think people were overestimating what the trade value would be for a rental Ben attendee who's enjoying the nicest stretch of his career. And he doesn't like, impact the ball whatsoever right now. No. And, 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 you know, it's a good bat for the Yankees to get because they don't need impact as much as other teams. And they actually needed a bat to ball guy to balance things out. They need a guy that's going to put the ball in play and, and just, you know, put some pressure on the defense because they've got the big boppers already. I love the acquisition for the Yankees, but yeah. uh, for, for the Royals, they need arms. And I'm glad that they got three arms in this trade because while they didn't get the, the Ken Waldachucks of the world or the Hayden Wisniewski's even, they were never going to for a rental Ben attendee in today's game. They get Beckway, TJ Sikama, and Chandler Champlain, I believe is yeah. how you say it. Beckway is the best arm in this deal. Yes. And Beckway is a guy that, you know, I've, I've followed along um, over the last couple of years because his story is very cool. Um, he's a guy that, you know, pitched barely in college. Uh, he was under recruited, went to shoot. What was it? It was Belmont, Belmont Abbey. Abbey. Yep. Yep. Belmont Abbey College Division two school and barely pitched there. Our boy, Peter Flaherty, finds everybody. And he's the the Cape GM for the Ketuit Kettleers and yeah. somehow finds this kid Beckway and Beckway makes his way out to the Cape and really opens some eyes out there. Mid 90s fastball wipeout slider. And that was enough to get drafted by the Yankees in the fourth round. He was a good pick because he's been really good. He struggled after getting promoted to high A last year and then has really settled in since then. I think Beckway could be a really, really good pitcher, whether it's a reliever or as a starter. They're going to keep trying to keep him in the rotation as a starter. But I mean, this is a big league arm that that the Royals were able to get here for a rental. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, way so far, he's got a 373 ERA. Uh, in 15 starts, 80 punch outs. So that's 10 strikeouts per nine. He's at about three and a half walks per nine. Um, I So when I first saw this and I first dove into Way, Sakema and Champlain, um, and I remember Sakema being good at Missouri. That's the thing. Like he has not been good as a professional pitcher yet, but, you know, they might have the opportunity to jump on him. Way the headliner. I'm with you there. Good story. Um, he could turn into a starter, but he needs some more development. And that's where I start to worry because yep. we know Kansas City can't develop pitching. Um, I initially saw this return and I said, okay, this is going to be a buyer's market. Like this might have been an underpay for Benintendi. And then you see the Castillo deal and you say, wow, this might be a seller's market. Chances are it's just like a fair market. It's just <laughs> going to be like good and and every, you know, a transaction is going to be in its own unique vacuum. This was in its own unique vacuum. And, and you're right. I think a lot of people were overestimating the price of Andrew Benintendi because yes, all-star corner outfielder, Andrew Benintendi was an all-star, but he does not impact the ball like many. Um, and, and he was nowhere close to being the top hitter available on the market. So I think Beckway is the headliner was good. And I'm with you. Dayton Moore, when he was fielding calls on Benintendi, I wanted him to pick up and say, I want three pitchers. I don't want a hitter. I want no bats. No bats. And I'm glad he did that. Like, that's exactly what they needed to do, right? I mean, like, if they got more bats, I would have lost my mind. Um, Lost my mind. Hey, look, if you you suck at developing pitchers, 
or you just have not identified them well, you got to take that angels route and just get as many pitchers as you can. Which, and I, we, we can't screw them all up. Yeah. So I was hoping that instead of like two guys at high A and one guy at low A, they were going to go with one or two guys in triple and double. Yeah. But obviously that is, you know, Hayden Wisniewski and Ken Waldichuk. And, and, and they're I not going to do that. They're not going to do that because you know what? Those guys are probably going to be going for the blockbuster trade that the Yankees are going to presumably make. You know, yeah. we know they're looking to make a splash. And those are the guys they want to deal, right? They don't want to trade Volpe. If they don't have to trade Dominguez, they don't want to trade Dominguez. Like, and, and they may be able to put together a trade. And you're not going to, you know, trade one of those main guys if you can put together, you know, three of the lower level guys and and make it work. And uh, the one thing I'll say about Way is he's a very unique profile as well. He comes at you with an assortment of pitches and that cutter that we talk about on the Just Baseball Show uh, that has really taken the Yankees, you know big league team by storm and has helped them really be successful. No matter who you look at Beck way added that to his arsenal as well. And that's, that's helped him. So he's got the slider. He's got a sinker. He's got a change up. He's got a cutter and he's got a four seamer that he'll mix in as well. So there's a lot of different ways that he'll come at you. And remember, this is a very inexperienced pitcher in the grand scheme of things. So more innings continuing to get better, continuing to get more experienced. And that slider is, is wipeout. I really like that pitch. And I'm interested to see, you know, what pitches he starts to use more or if he continues to just come at hitters with that assortment of offerings. Fastball sits around 94 to 95 miles an hour. Sliders in the low 80s. Change up is in the high 80s. And then he has that cutter in the mid 80s. So he has a lot of different speeds that he can come at you with as well. And and, and I like that. Uh, I think he's going to be a very difficult pitcher to game plan for as he continues to just learn the nuances of pitching and get more experience there. And, um, you know, I think that's a great piece to get back. We can talk a little bit about Sikama. Uh, that's a guy that, again, you you watched in college. One of your favorite, you know, things to do is is watch college arms matriculate through the minors. And yeah. he's not really done that to the degree that we hoped, but he has been good this year overall. He's been used kind of in a limited fashion, meaning that, you know, we've only seen him really in his starts go three, maybe four inning spurts. Yeah. But in those spurts, this is the best that we've seen of him. Um, so there are some positive signs, uh, but at the same time, again, it's a lower level pitcher that we have not seen the the Royals really be able to maximize these kind of guys. Yeah, I, I swear to God, he was Sikama when he was at Missouri and was he when he was out on the Cape in Falmouth, but now he's Sikema. Sikema? Sikema, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, Sikema's got a two and a half ERA. He's He's appeared in 11 games. Um, he's gone 36 in the third innings and, and 54 punch outs, nine walks and 36 in the Which third. That That's great. And the hits per nine, so low, 21 hits. That's 5.2 hits per nine. So like he's been great, but I really think that any decent starter can be great across two, three innings each time you go out there. Especially, I need to see him stretched out as a 23-year-old in high A. Just turned 24. <laughs> yeah, like as a 24-year-old in high A, I have to see him stretched out. And that's the thing. Maybe, you know, are they, are they, is there, there's got to be something behind it. You know, maybe he's getting right from something. I don't know. But he missed it, all the last year. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm glad that he's looking good. I'm glad that he's getting out. But, yeah, we got to see this guy stretched out a little bit. The Arsenal he leans on the slider more than any other pitch, and it's nasty as well. Uh, 
ridiculous chase rates on that pitch. Changeup is is good. It looks above average as well. And then the fastball is kind of that pitch that he tries to mask. Like it just isn't a, the best pitch in the world because it's more in the 90 to, to 93 range. And um, he's leaning more on the slider and changeup. So uh, it, it's a good arm that they're, that they're getting here. Again, another guy that could end up being more of a swing man or reliever, but at the end of the day, he's getting outs. He's interesting. He's a lefty. And uh, you know, We'll we'll see how how the Royals decide to proceed with with how they want to kind of you know develop him. But I, I want to see him give us a couple five inning outings or something before this season is over. But I, I understand the the willingness to be careful with a guy that that was out for the entire season last year. Yeah, hundred percent. And then the third guy, real quick, that we can hit on is Chandler Champlain. I think what Dayton Moore said was, "I want your most reliable starter in low A too." And that's what Champlain has been. 15 starts, low four ZRA, 73 and a third innings, 94 punch outs, 19 walks. Um, it's a college arm out of USC that started in their bullpen, turned into a starting pitcher uh, in 2021, was not good as a starting pitcher at USC. So I think the uh, the Yankees drafted uh, low, like they bought stock low in Champlain. Um and then here we are in 2022. He's already made an appearance with Quad Cities. Um, but I mean, in, in Tampa, like I'll take strikeout numbers ticking up and walk numbers ticking yeah. down big time. No, this is this is a good buy low situation here. You talk about the Yankees buying low. Uh, they sold a little bit higher than they bought at. But at the end of the day, I think this is, you know, he was a ninth round pick, right? I mean, this is this is the, the Royals identifying a guy that's on the right trajectory here. and um you know, get a guy that has more staying power potential as a starter, right? Like for Champlain, it's probably more likely he's either a starter or he's he's a triple A guy. So, you know, it, that that's what you're looking at here, whereas the other guys have the fallback of a reliever a bit more. But the fastball sits at, you know, 92 to 95, anywhere from that range. And it's it's worked really well for him. He's got a, a cutterish slider that he mixes in that's been pretty solid, a curveball. And then uh, the, the slider as well. So it kind of manipulates it to a cutter that gives him three pitches, three speeds, and it's worked for him. Um, I'm interested to see how the Royals, you know, develop this guy. They obviously felt like he was ready to go straight to high A, and that's exactly where they assigned him to. And again, the third piece in a deal here, not bad. And they get three interesting arms that you're hoping could be big league options, but throw as many irons as in the, into the fire as you can if you're the Royals who continue to struggle to, you know, build sustainable pitching. This is the right way to approach it, I think. Yeah, I, I was going to make an analogy, but I uh, I shall abstain. I'll tell you about it when we stop recording. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let, let's go to James Altman now, um, who made his big league debut yesterday. And I mean, dude, Altman, he couldn't have had a better debut. Um, I That's got to rank up there with one of the best debuts we've seen. Blast yeah. a home run, three hits. Um, you, you Google James Outman and literally the headline for Yahoo Sports is Dodgers rookie James Outman hits a home run in his first at bat of historic MLB debut. Yeah. Triple it, it shy will, of the cycle. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if he cycled in his tape? That'd be awesome. Um, th- this is somebody that came out out of nowhere a little bit last season. Um, seventh round pick out of Cal State Sacramento. Is that, yep. is that, yeah. 25 years old. So an older guy, but I think the beginning of the domino effect of like, Hey, let's pay attention to James Outman was, was following up the season last year with a really impressive fall league stretch where he hit 284, 422, 552. 
And now this season has just continued that momentum. But prior to the call up, Jack, 279, 381, 534, 21 homers, 11 stolen bases. It's a guy that can play center field, play a really good corner as well. Um, and, and just has continued to develop as a hitter. He used to strike out a lot and now has done some things to really improve in that regard. I, I'm shocked that the Dodgers brought him up, uh, but clearly they feel like he can make more of an impact than Zach McKinstry, who was dealt uh, over to the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, for, for Chris Martin. Chris Martin. Yeah, not the lead singer of uh, Coldplay, the, no. the MLB reliever. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, Outman has just gotten better. And Sacramento State is you know, like Cal State, Sacramento, but it, Sacramento State, they're in the whack. Get some waction. I work in the Mac. Whack might be better than the Mac. Um, but 2019, his first year out of Sacramento State, played 119 games in Loe. And Outman had a 730 OPS. Fine. Yeah, fine. COVID shutdown. 2021, you come back. 65 games in high A. 39 games uh, in double uh, A last year. Dude had an 870 OPS. Cool. Yeah. So far this year, 90 games across double and triple. Dude had a 915 OPS. Cool. Like he's getting better each year. I saw I'm I'm blanking on the source and I, I love crediting people, but I I'm blanking on who said it. But somebody said that he swung like a caveman in 2019. The fact that this guy with this frame and this toolkit has been able to hone in his swing is amazing for the Dodgers. And that speaks to their player development. If they got a swing that looked like a caveman yeah. swinging a club. And here we are with a guy with 25, 20, 25, 25 potential, like 25 homer, 25 steal potential. That is a testament to what the Dodgers can do with anybody. I think they can turn you into an all-star, even with your shitty uh, hip labrum. Yeah, yeah, two weeks out from the big operation. Um, I think they could. I think they could because it, Outman is is super gifted. Um, so obviously this is a guy that that they were able to maximize his tools, 6'3", 215. But, you know, like we used to joke about the Marlins being able to teach anyone how to throw a change up. I think, I think the Dodgers can just, just squeeze out the most out of anybody. Even Zach McKinstry, that's a guy that we never even thought would be a big leaguer, ends up getting them a reliever and ended up giving them some some valuable ABs over stretches at the big league level for the, one of the best teams in baseball. Outman, what really impresses me is you look year over year, chase rate dwindles, in zone whiff dwindles. You talk about swinging like a caveman. His in zone whiff rate, which is literally the percentage of pitches you swing and miss in the strike zone, very important stat, has continued to drop, drop 4% this year. He's not chasing. He's not swinging and missing as much. His exit velos are the highest they've ever been. And his overall, you know, just bat to ball ability has improved what is there not to like about that entire profile? Better swing decisions, higher contact rate, and more power. This guy might be a big leaguer, and it's just because of the way that he he is, you know, progressed, he didn't really have that top prospect status. He didn't have that, you know, time in the sun where everyone's, you know, putting them in their top prospect list and, you know, packaging him in trades and, you know, getting him all that hype. But he might be just as good as a lot of the other guys that we put in the top 100 and a lot of other guys that, you know, we regard as, as consensus top 100 guys. I think he's right there. And, and if we did an update right now, he's probably right in the just missed area. 
And I think as he starts to hit at the big league level, again, I'm not, we're not, we're not even talking about it because he had one game in, in the big leagues. Yeah. That's not why we're saying this. These are numbers that have been consistent. Anthony Mulrine, yeah. guest of the show a little while back, he specifically mentioned, if you go back and listen to that episode uh, yeah. from prior to this season, he specifically mentioned James Outman because they played either together or against each other. Whatever it was, it was enough for him to notice Outman in the fall league. And when a catcher points out a hitter and says, that guy was tough to game plan for, and he was impressive, I'm going to listen. And that kind of put him on the radar for me. And then following him this year, I've been very impressed. This could be a, a really important piece for for the Dodgers, which sucks because as, as a Marlins fan, I was hoping that he would be the guy coming back in a Garrett Cooper trade. Looks yeah. like the Dodgers may not be looking to move this dude. They might not be looking to move this dude because he factors into the future. And uh, he's 25. If I were to say, um, if I were to say that James Alvin was 23 years old, he would be a, a top 70 prospect. Yep. Yeah, he's 25. Like that's what the Dodgers do, and I'm always going to look back on what I see at the high A level versus what I see at the double and triple A level. And what I saw last year when I was in Fort Wayne, which is the the Padres. Hi, affiliate. When we saw Great Lakes, I was really impressed by Bobby Miller and Andy Pajes, naturally. I was really impressed by Yorbit Vivas, Eddie's Leonard, Leonel Valera. Yeah, absolutely. You know who else I was really impressed by? James Outman and Ryan Ward. Ward's got an 830 OPS in double A right now. Like, that's what the Dodgers do because for every Andy Pajes that they have, they have a James Outman to complement that. They hedge every single top prospect with guys that you will not find in any top 30 list. That's how the Dodgers operate. That's why they are the best organization in baseball. Yep. I absolutely agree. And and let's kind of wrap up the episode with who do they move? You know, because we know the yeah. Dodgers are going to make their move. And there's there's no other topics we we're going to hit on, right? I don't think so. Like I, I was thinking, um, I was thinking other contending teams, like what prospects they could move. Oh, yeah, we talked about the Guardians. We're going to talk about that. So let's wrap up with a couple other contending teams and and what 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 guys they could move. So yeah. we'll, we'll wrap on the Dodgers and then go to the Guardians, who have been tied to Sean Murphy. Which, please, we even did that. We we mocked please. that the, we mocked that kind of move in the uh, Cleveland Guardians GM episode. Get an impactful catcher. Hedges can still make his impact as as the guy that really you know helps command the staff and um, will be more the backup. And let Sean Murphy be a dude for you. Here's the beautiful thing: is when Hedges catches, Sean Murphy will be your DH or play first or whatever. He's a much needed bat in general and will be a, a really good piece for them. But we'll get to there in a second. Dodgers are going to make a big trade. They have to. I feel like have they to. almost always do it. Have to is strong because they don't really need to do anything, but we know that they have to based on their standards and, and based on what some of the other teams are going to do. I think right now they're preoccupied with the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Let's assume they don't, they don't get him. Yeah. And they pivot to another move. I think Michael Bush is going to be the guy that we see move. I think that might be one of the guys that they kind of headline out of there. Michael yeah. Bush, second baseman uh, has been really good. He, he reminds me of a Max Muncie light in a lot of ways, uh, swinging and missing a little bit in triple a and not walking to, to what 
I would like to see because the big thing that always hedged the swing and miss concern for me was the fact that he walked a ton. And that's what gave me that Max Muncy kind of comp. He does have 12 home runs in triple. He was walking a lot in double this year. He has 23 home runs overall in the season. And he was dominating double, getting acclimated to triple. I'm not going to draw any major conclusions there from Bush. I think he'll get acclimated overall in triple. But I think that's a guy. Is he good enough to be a headliner is the question. And I think the answer is kind of no. But the, yeah. the the bigger picture here is the Dodgers can give you three borderline headliner guys and you're going to be just as happy with that, right? If I can put together, I think they don't want to trade Pajes personally. I think it's going to yeah. take a lot. It's going to have to take a Luis Castillo type of trade for them to trade, pa, you know, trade Pajes. But mm-hmm. I think if they could put together a package of Michael Bush, Ryan Pepiot, and, you know, someone like Miguel Vargas, Jorbit Vivas, somebody else. They they can go get an impactful player. It's just who are they trying to get? What are they trying to do? And even Gavin Stone, I think, is a guy that that could be close to that borderline headliner with what he's been doing this year. Right-handed pitching prospect. Uh, I guess it depends who are they trying to get. Uh, yeah. What are the what are the presumptive targets for the Dodgers? And can they hang on to Diego Cartaya? Is damn near untouchable now. Bobby Miller could be a headliner. I could see them being okay with stealing him, but he's pretty damn good. And He's I wouldn't really want to good. trade Andy Pajes. I really wouldn't. What are they looking at here? Like, what are what are some of the, the the names they've been tied to? And we can kind of talk about whether they can maybe hold on to one of the blue chippers. Yeah, I mean, like it's just been Soto, man. Like it, it's the the conversation is going to be about Soto until AJ Preller pulls the trigger and Juan Soto's a Padre. <laughs> like I I, I want to guarantee it. I want to give the Jack McMullen stamp of approval on uh, Juan Soto going to the Padres for the greatest haul in trade history. Um, and that's going to be a really fun episode to break that down because it's uh, a guest of the call up Robert Hassel and whoever the fuck else. Yeah. Um, but uh, from what I've been reading, like from reading the tea leaves, my understanding is Diego Cartaya, Diego Cartaya would likely not be going anywhere. I think if there were three guys that they didn't want to move, it's Cartaya, Bobby Miller, Andy Pajes. And I think that they can do it without moving those two. Now, I think one of these two will be the quote-unquote headliner of a deal that they make for an impact player. Michael Bush or Miguel Vargas. And I think that Andrew Friedman is going to have to make a decision who he wants to hold on to because they play similar roles. A, you know, not great defensive second baseman. Vargas can play third. Bush can play first. Vargas can kind of play first. Like, there's a little bit of infield versatility. One's a right-handed bat. One's a left-handed bat. Um, who do you want to hold on to? Max Muncy sucks right now. Yeah. Maybe they want to hold on to Michael Bush because Max Muncy sucks. But if they believe in Muncy rebounding and they feel like the end might be near for Justin Turner, maybe they want to hold on to Miguel Vargas. I think it's going to take some internal uh, digging deep from the Dodgers to figure out who they want to hold on to there. And and anyone who listens to the podcast so for for you know a, a long time has known that I've loved Vargas for for multiple years now. So for me, it's a no brainer. Like yeah. I know that that Bush has more raw power, but Vargas can hit. He can play third. He can play second. He can play first. He can play corner outfield. He he is the heir apparent to Justin Turner for me. I think Bush you know could be the second baseman. Of course, if you could keep both, you, you want to keep both. But Vargas is a guaranteed good. I think at least average big league bat who can play a bunch of spots. I don't know if I could say that about Bush. He could get blown up at the highest level. I, mm-hmm. And also has, you know, at least if you're going to be an average defender at best, at least be able to play a lot of positions at an average level. Bush yeah. can't really do that. I, I would love to keep Vargas. Again, the guy's never not hit. 
double negative, but he has never not hit. Like you look at every stop, he has always, always hit. He is such an easy swing. I'm a, I'm the biggest Vargas fan ever. Uh, even though he won't be a perennial all-star, he's going to be an above average regular for a long time. Gavin Stone now, I think, is pitching his way into being a major, major trade piece. Yes. If they don't yeah. want to trade Bobby Miller, who's more physically gifted, how about moving Gavin Stone, who, I mean, my goodness, has he been spectacular this year. Dust, Dustin Demeter put out a piece on our on our site, one of our yeah. writers uh, on the prospect side, really diving into Gavin Stone and what he's been able to do this year. But a one four one ERA while striking out nearly 12 per nine, more than 33% of batters, is just outrageous from a guy that is already now at the double a level doing the same things that he was doing in the lower levels. So you can't even say, Oh, you know, he's just dominating younger hitters. Now he's doing it at the double a level. And this guy was a fifth round pick in 2020. Can I say, uh, all right, I'm going to say something. You ready? Uh, Gavin stone, I think turns Ryan Pepio into the guy on the block. I think what Gavin stone has done creates Pepio's availability. And I think in any trade conversation, Friedman's going to say, hey, you see the guy that debuted for this this year, Ryan Pepio? He can be yours. Don't yeah. ask us about the righty in double-A, though. Don't yeah. do it. No, and, we're, and, not, and, we're not going there. And there's a lot of teams that still, you know, probably value Pepio in the same level. And I, I think Pepio is good, but I, I would way rather have Gavin Stone. I'd way rather have Gavin Stone than Pepio. So I'm that the Dodgers have a lot of opportunities to, to mix and match and make different deals. And I'm going to be very interested to see who they choose to hold on to and who they choose yeah. to move. So it'll be very indicative of, you know, kind of what their future plans are. Speaking of future plans, let's talk a little bit about the guardians and, and what the whole trade breakdown could look like for Sean Murphy. I'm not trading Daniel Espino for anything. I'm not trading George Valera. Can they pull off a trade without trading those two guys? Yes. That's the beautiful thing. They have so many freaking pitchers. And I think that's what they could really entice the A's. Gavin Williams is just one of the best pitchers out of that draft class. He's been do do it without moving him. I really think you can do it without moving him. So pick from Gabriel Arias, Ryan Rocchio, Tyler Freeman, Logan Allen. I don't think they can trade Nolan Jones because he's helping them at the big league level. Jose Tana. Tanner Burns, Jackensie Noel. I mean, this is a joke. This is a joke. And they even have guys like Peyton Battenfield, who's been really good in yeah. AAA. They've got guys like Xavier Curry, who's been very solid in double. Getting Doug Nikhazy's been great in high A. He just got the bump. Or no, he's still in high A. Yeah. Will Brennan. You know, if you're not trading Valera, okay, take Will Brennan. We know that the A's have wanted big league ready prospects. Well, Will Brennan's big league ready. I, they could put together a package without parting with one of their top five guys. I assume, though, for Sean Murphy, they're going to want a top five guy. Rokio can be that headliner, I think, because a lot of people really like him. Um, the glove, the instincts, the makeup puts him over the top. Those are all things that the A's really look for. Nick Allen's been a disappointment. I know everyone was like, Nick Allen's the future of, of the position. He's a gold glove shortstop, sure, but he can't hit. So Rokio is that same defensive ability or at least close to it with way more offensive upside and a switch hitter. I think Rokio could be the guy that they end up wanting to headline, but you're going to have to kind of with the rationale we were talking about before, you're going to need three borderline headliners to make this a move. I would say something like Rokio and then you mix in a Logan Allen who I I love the Southpaw Logan Allen and what he's done this year. Uh, He is a really good pitcher. And then maybe Either another arm or Jackensie Noel or somebody else like that could be enough. 
to, to, to really be the framework of a deal here. And the Guardians still have a top five system after that. Can I throw you a trade and you say yes or no? Yep. For Sean Murphy, Rokio, Tyler Freeman, Logan Allen, Joey Cantillo. I think that's a pretty, pretty big haul. I think that's fine. I think that's a good deal for both sides. And, and they're still the best system in baseball, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. And for those wondering, like Logan Allen's a top 100 for us. I mean, what he's done this year, I know he's hit a wall. Another guy that's inflated numbers because of triple. I think he's gotten shelled in Colorado in like 14 innings, but it was dominant in double A. He'll get there. Um, the other pieces are really good as well. If you want to swap out Logan Allen for somebody else, that's fine. Uh, Tanner Burns or yeah, whatever. You, you could put together a deal here and, and put a, a really good package together. If you have to trade Gavin Williams instead, that's fine. Okay, If we want to go a little bit higher, Throw in Gavin Williams, take out Joey Cantillo. Regardless, the, the the answer here is you can get a very, 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 very good catcher without impacting your system dramatically. That's the good news here. So um, whether they want to trade any of those guys, you know, mix and match however you want, they can put together a really good package, and that's really exciting. Any other teams that you want to kind of dive into uh, in terms of what they can move before we call it uh, a day here? Uh, one more, the Astros, because I think the Astros are going to make some moves here. I think the Astros are going to be active over the next couple of days, and I don't think people really understand who can move for the Astros. Mm-hmm. So they can move a young center fielder. Myers, McCormick, Siri are all options for them. I think the one that is most likely to move is Jose Siri. Um, and I just saw John Heyman uh, floated the idea of Siri going to Philly, which I think would make a shit ton of sense. The guy absolutely flies. He's got some pop. He's an excellent defender. Siri makes a ton of sense, but Myers McCormick, Siri, they're not prospects anymore. Hunter Brown could be the headline. He's probably he the will. lone headliner available here. He he absolutely will be moved, I think, because when you see the big league team saying we're looking to move our controllable big league pitching, like Arkady, you know, they're willing, the reports are they're willing to listen on anybody. Uh, pitching wise at the big league level that, you know, isn't a main, main, main part of their rotation. So that's Urquidy, maybe even Luis Garcia, because they don't have room for all these guys. Hunter Brown is basically big league ready. He's he's shoving in triple A 80 innings, 106 Ks, 36 walks. This guy can really pitch two five eighty ERA. That's a guy that I think they're comfortable moving. So he's probably the headliner. I don't know what they're doing at catcher. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but Corey Lee could be a, an option to move ultimately. But that's the problem is the supplemental pieces. They lack a little bit there. Yeah. Um, and that's they've got some emergent options. Um, Forrest Whitley's finally throwing again. No way anybody wants him, though. Um, Joe Perez, I still think, is a good prospect coming back from injury. Should be pretty decent. But I'm assuming it's going to have to be someone like Pedro Leone going. Uh, you with- know, I'm a massive fan of Pedro Leone. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I think he's got a he's got a cannon. He's got an absolute cannon. Maybe the best arm in minor league baseball. And he's got an 8:30 OPS. I like him too. But if you're making a splash, Hunter Brown, you got to trade Leone. People are going to want him. And then a Colin Barber, Joe Perez. They probably don't want to move Yaner Diaz, but. If you put together, if we're talking about a, a trade for like a, a top top end player, one of the better targets on the market, you're Indeed. gonna have to you're gonna have to go Hunter Brown, Yaner Diaz, and and a Pedro Leone. If we're talking about like for for an impactful, impactful, impactful player, yeah, or Sean Murphy, 
You know, like that's what they're going to have to do to try to compete with other other offers, right? Is it's going to have to be Hunter Brown? It's going to have to be Yaner Diaz. It's going to have to be Pedro Leone, and then maybe another piece. A couple that other guys for him. Yeah. No, I mean, I was just going to say a couple other guys that could hold a teensy bit of value for them. Chase McDermott, chirp, chirp, shout out the Ball State Cardinals. McDermott provides a little bit of value. Shea Whitcomb provides a little bit of value. Uh, Matthew Barefoot provides a little bit of value. Um, so I, I think that they've got enough guys um, that they can just like, I think they can pull off a quantity over quality trade. I, I You obviously need a headliner, but a quantity over quality trade I wouldn't put it past the Houston Astros. No, and, and I think Brown, again, is a good enough with the proximity and the performance and triple. He's a good enough pitcher, I think, to kind of lead a package here, just depending on, on the player, obviously. But I think he's good enough to do so. And they've got the the Jake Myers of the world and some other guys in center, You know, if, especially if they're trading for a center fielder. That's a guy that, that, like you talked about, some of the big league pieces that could kind of help lessen the blow on the prospect side or put you over the top because you don't have those headliner prospects. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, you know, I I think I think this is going to be a really fucking fun 48 hours and I think we're going to we're going to reassess on Wednesday morning or or Wednesday evening whenever we get together again and we're going to be talking about a bunch of prospects and uh I don't I I was always ticking really differently as a child and I'm sure you were as well where my favorite part of the baseball season was not opening day or the World Series, it was the trade deadline because I like what happens off the field as much as what happens on the field. And I know that baseball is all about what happens on the field, but damn, do I love the transactions. So this is going to be, it's going to be a fun 48 hours of transactions and we're going to have a ton, a ton, a ton of dialogue to talk about uh, at the end of this week. Surely. Yeah. Ton of really good episodes coming forward here on, on, on the call up and the just baseball show. And also really, really excited about the coverage that we have at just baseball.com. Um, I love the deadline cause it's great for traffic. Traffic has been going crazy uh, on just baseball.com. If you're some of the people that have been reading, thank you for that. Cause we're putting a lot of time, a lot of effort into our deadline tracker. So you can see all of the, the trades, everything that's going down, all of the returns, our initial thoughts, the breakdowns and all of that at just baseball.com. So definitely go check that out. I'll always be writing up any recap prospect wise on the return. Just did that on Luis Castillo. As I mentioned, we'll do that on any semi uh, impactful trade. I'll be writing breakdowns on those returns. So you can look out for that. And then of course we'll be talking about it on the call up as well. Yeah. That'll do it for today's episode. We will talk to you probably on Wednesday, right at the deadline. And we'll probably be doing a live stream. We're going to flush that out as well. So, so keep an eye out on Twitter at just BB media or on our personals as well to keep up with our deadline coverage. Cause we're going to be doing a lot of fun things and a lot of different things because I love how it's during the day as well. We'll yeah. be doing a little bit of a live show and reacting to, you know, that at the, at the last minute moves that are always so fun that they push across at like six Oh three that get yeah. announced or whatever it is. That'll be fun as well. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.